you'll notice did very well at it. And I, I think, and I think it did probably didn't just come natural to him, but rather was something that he worked at and was something that he exercised in his life. And when he found himself in probably one of the most dangerous situations in his life, we find him exalting the Lord. And he starts out in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, we often think of blessing as something being received. In other words, uh, when, when we think, hey, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, uh, we think, well, he's blessed. In other words, his life uh, is, is enriched. His life is given many blessings. And when we talk about the blessings of God, that we receive the blessings of God. And we often think of blessings as something that we would receive. But on the other hand here, we have David saying, I will bless the Lord. So I had to look that word up. And the sixth definition of the word bless, and I think there was nine of them, uh, it said this, to praise, to glorify for benefits received. And here's David, and he's praising the Lord. And he's blessing the name of the Lord in some of the worst circumstances in the state of his life. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to praise the Lord, and I'm going to glorify God. David was definitely not on a mountaintop experience, but he boldly opens with a reminder to praise the Lord. And I think, boy, what a, what a great reminder for us. No matter what circumstances you find yourself in, I don't think tonight we have one fugitive, much less in the top ten, and I don't think we have the top fugitive uh, running from the, the President of the United States in our presence tonight. I hope not. I'll say it that way. That's what David was. And then, and then on top of that, he was in enemy territory. And, and I'm just saying, uh, could, I don't think our, our circumstances are quite as dire as David's circumstances. And I'm not trying to minimize anybody's circumstances by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm just helping you understand that David, in the worst of times, found it within himself to bless the Lord and praise the Lord. I love how he ended that verse because he said this, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise the Lord for non-stop praise. I could imagine David saying, I'm going to go to the grave with praise on the lips of my mouth. I want God to be glorified. Look at verse number two. He said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. He humbleth, uh, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Listen, boast in the Lord. We ought, to, we ought to boast on what God does for us. We ought to not be afraid to tell other people what God has done in our life, how God has provided for us, how God has taken care of us, how God has done this, or maybe we're praying about this thing, and, and God worked it out. And, and we ought not be afraid to boast and to brag on God. We're quick to brag on a lot of other things that honestly are frivolous, they're not important. But we ought to boast on God. And can I say this this evening as well? Hey, boast on God in front of lost people. Well, they, they won't really understand. They'll understand this, that you know who God is and that God is alive and well and working in your life. Or they'll think you're a 
a crazy person, and that would be okay too. Because in reality, it's God that is real. And we ought, we ought not be afraid to lift up the name of God. If the world saw that God was working in our lives more frequently and more often than they do, they may be interested in the God that we're serving. David says, boast. He says, brag. Talk about God. He says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He invites us in verse number three, oh, magnify the Lord with me. In exalting the Lord, he blesses the Lord. He boasts in the Lord. In verse number three, he says, be involved. And he's inviting us to magnify the Lord with him. He's saying, hey, why don't you come and magnify the Lord with me? I've used this illustration before, but, you know, when we sing, um, if one guy stands up here and sings, and everyone's just kind of standing there staring at him, it's like, well, that's song service. But then if another person joins in, and another person joins in, and another person joins in, and another person joins in. And then you have multiple people that are magnifying or exalting the Lord. Uh, and could you imagine, not just in song service, obviously, but even in our day-to-day -day lives, you, you, you have a co-worker, and you're like, hey, man, the Lord really met with us this Sunday, and we had a good service, and God has done this with my life. And he might think, well, that guy's a little crazy, but all right, nonetheless. And he'll go home, and, and maybe he'll run into his neighbor. Man, God God really met with us this Sunday, and, and, and he's going to start thinking, there's something to this God that's doing something for other people. And the more people that have a voice, and the more people that magnify the Lord, hey, listen, the more effect we will have in this world. I mentioned we've been giving out gospel tracts every day of the week for the past several weeks, and, and I said this, wouldn't it be wonderful if you gave somebody a track, and they're like, oh, I already, actually, somebody else from your church already gave me a track today. Well, praise the Lord, here's another one. Why don't you read them both? I mean, you know what I'm saying? How much more effect is that going to have on that person's life? Man, I got two tracks. From, maybe the Lord's really trying to speak to my heart today. Maybe God's trying to tell me that I need to go to church. And I'm just saying, if multiple voices are magnifying and lifting up the Lord in the same way, then listen, uh, the, the name of the Lord will be praised even more. And he's saying in verse number three, be involved in exalting the Lord. Look with me in verses four through ten. We'll find that he, he gives his experience. Look with me in verse number four. Don't be, don't be afraid of the word experience, all right? Uh, we don't base our doctrine on it by any, ex, any, any uh, means whatsoever. Uh, but look at what he says here. It's sharing a testimony. We'll put it that way. Uh, he says in verse number four, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from what? From all my fears. David was fearful when he went to, to, to Gath. David was fearful when he stood before that guy. David was fearful when he left Israel. 
And he didn't know where he was going. The Bible says it very clearly. But when he cried to God, he's sharing with us his experience. He's saying, hey, I looked to the Lord in my life. I sought God in my life. I couldn't go back to my kingdom. I couldn't go back to my family's house. I couldn't go. I had no place to go. And I found myself behind enemy lines. And I sought the Lord in my life. And he heard me. I love the phrase, he delivered me, not from the hand of the enemy, he delivered me from all my fears. And David could walk confidently. How, how did David go through all that time uh, uh, that he was running from King Saul and King Saul would pursue David? He did it because God delivered him from all his fears. God said, hey, I'm going to put my hand about you. I am going to protect you. I am going to be with you. And listen, however God does it, the Bible says, I'm reminded of the, the verse in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I'm just saying that, hey, when you get down into a bad spot uh, and, and you exalt the Lord and you pray, you seek the Lord, and, and there's a peace that overcomes you, and, and there's just something about God saying, hey, it's all going to be okay, and I'm going to take care of it. This is the experience that David had. Not only his own experience as he looked to the Lord, but look, he points us to other examples. And, and look at other examples in verse number 5. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking that under the idea that, hey, other people have been helped by looking to God and, and their faces were not ashamed. They were lightened. Uh, look at verse number six. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. In other words, he's giving example after example. Perhaps David is speaking of himself there in third person and talking about himself. This poor man, uh, uh, referring to himself, uh, called on the Lord, cried, uh, and the Lord heard him and saved him. Uh, perhaps that's what he's saying. All I know is he's giving us examples. And notice in verse number 7, the Bible says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And he's giving experience. He's giving uh, examples of other people. You know, the, we're, the Bible is full of example after example after example of people in the Old Testament. I encourage you, go read your Bibles all the way through. Uh, there is just something about, I just finished up the books of Chronicles. I, I love Kings and Samuel and Chronicle. They're just full of stories uh, of kings that did right and kings that didn't do right and how God blessed and how God judged them. And, and it's phenomenal. There's, there's lesson after lesson that speaks to us. There's volumes that have been written in the Word of God that we just need to read and study. But notice this, as we not only look to the other examples, David looked to the Lord, but in verse number 8, he says this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. And verses 8 uh, and 9, both of those, he says, hey, you need to live it out in your own life. 
Don't just look at my example. He's talking about his experiences. I sought the Lord. He's talking about other people's examples. Hey, that they sought after the Lord and the Lord delivered them. But he's saying this, oh, taste and see for yourself. I like to reference it this way. If you have a young child and, and you have all this baby food that you're feeding them, and, and, and you're like, oh, taste and see, and it's broccoli. They may or may not like that. You have maybe um, green beans, you know. They, they may or may not like that. But you take that spoon and you dip it down in some ice cream. I don't care, chocolate, vanilla, it does not even matter. Strawberry, it doesn't matter. You take it, put it in a little bit of ice cream. And, you, and you're like, just taste and see, because you're going to like this. You might have an oddball here and there, but 90% of those kids are going to be like, I want more of that. I mean, they're going to scarf it down, and they're going to be ready for more. That's what David is equivalent uh, here to, to God. He's saying, oh, taste and see. Don't see if you like it, but taste and experience it for yourself because it will come out good. It is something that is going to be a blessing. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He doesn't say taste and see if the Lord will be good to you. He says, taste and see the Lord is good in your life and he will be good. And all you must do is taste and try. And what I'm saying is, hey, uh, live it out for yourself. Put your faith in the Lord and, and call upon the Lord and walk with God and seek him in your life. I'm not saying that you have to go to the extreme of the details of the life of David. I'm saying, hey, try it out on a small level. Just a, just a taste and find out, you know what? God is good. And God does bless. And God will take care of you. In the Bible, he encourages us, taste and see. He says in verse 9, oh, fear the Lord. Notice this. Who is he saying to fear the Lord? He, he's directing that to saints, those who are saved. He's not directing it to the lost and dying world. He's not telling uh, the, the, the Philistines, hey, you better fear the Lord. No, no, no. He's saying, hey, you that are saints... Fear the Lord. It is not a fear, and I've said this many times, where we cower in fear. Well, God's going to strike me if I, if I mess up or if I step the wrong way. No, it is a fear that is a reverential awe of God that we would say, wow, God really does care about me. God really is uh, in heaven, and he's all-powerful, and, and he's an incredible God. And we stand in awe of him. He tells the saints, fear the Lord. And then look what he says, is, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. That doesn't mean, it means this, that you will be satisfied with God. That's what it means. And you know what? If you're satisfied with God, you know what you'll find? These worldly things just fall away. They don't mean so much to you. They're not as important. 
And so we find that he's saying, fear the Lord and you'll not be in a while. Verse 10, he gives an illustration to help people understand that the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. In other words, hey, they will be taken care of and they will be satisfied with God in their life. This is a New Testament principle, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hey, our responsibility is to seek the righteousness of God. And in these verses, seek after God. Fear the Lord. And so uh, this is what he's telling us, how we are to live it out. This is what David experienced in his life. He's saying, hey, I came to a place where I sought after God and he removed all my fears. We find David exalts the Lord. We find the experience of David. And I want you to notice in verses 11 through 22, and I, I should have buzzed through those first two so I could take more time on this part, because he educates us. And what it is that God wants. I want you to notice these. We'll, we'll buzz through them. But he says here in verse number 11. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? He's saying, hey, the, a man that, that desires to have many days and to see good, man, that is a blessed life. It's a philosophical question, really, that he's asking. And he's saying, hey, that is a blessed life. When somebody uh, desireth life and they love many days, in other words, that they would have a long life, but not for evil or not for selfish purposes, but rather that they may see good. That's a blessed life. Look at verse number 13, and he's going to give us uh, the ways that we are to be right. Look in verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. He says, be right in communication. That is a, that is a really easy verse to write that is a really hard verse to live out. I mean, he says it so simply, matter-of-factly, keep thy tongue from evil. Man, if it were only that simple to keep thy tongue from evil, it, it would be great. But the Bible writes about uh, the tongue in James chapter 3 and verse number 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. Well, we need to be careful of the words we speak. It says earlier in the book of James, in that same chapter, it talks about he that offendeth not uh, with the tongue, the same is a perfect man. And I, I thought about that, and I was looking at that verse, and I thought, who's not offended in tongue? All of us. Every, maybe a mute. I doubt that because he learned to talk with his hands, and he still was offensive. Every one of us that can communicate ever since we have learned to communicate, at some point in our lives have said something offensive, something that we regretted, something that we wish we could have taken back, but it was too late, it slipped out, and every one of us have offended in word. 
And he's saying, be right in our communication. I wrote this down, right words, not cuss words. Right words, not contrary words. Right words, not cutting words. Right words, not chatter words. That would be gossip. Right words, not conceited words. Right words, not complaining words. Right words, not cunning words. Right words, not condescending words. Boy, we... Our, our tongue is so full of poison, as the Bible says. And, and he's saying, hey, be right in our communication. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Not only are we to be right in our communication, but notice in verse 14, he says, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. He says to be right not only in our communication, but also in our conduct, that we are to live a right life. Again, it's a small command, but a tall order to keep our life right and keep our words right, our communication and our conduct. That is a full-time job for every one of us. And that's what he's saying that we ought to do. Look at verse number 15 because he goes on. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. He, he's going to mention in these verses several times the righteous and those that are saints and those uh, that, that, that uh, the Lord loves. And, and those are that's the righteous. He wants us to have a right relationship with God in our communication, in our conduct. And then in verse 15, in our crying, not a crying out of complaint not a crying out of desperation, but a crying in that we go to God in prayer and say, God, I cannot do anything about this, but you can. And leaving it to him. Be right in our communication. Be right in our conduct. Be right in our crying. Be right uh, in our continuing. In verse number 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth them. In other words, hey, we are to cry in a, a right way and continue to pray to God, continue to go to him. It's a, it's a crying out of prayer. Look at verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Be right in spirit. Be right in communication. Be right in conduct. Be right in crying. Be right in continuing. Be right in spirit. Verse number 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Notice verse 16. I skipped it. Not a, I skipped it kind of on purpose. It was not directed towards being right. But notice the contrast that he gives in verse 16. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Look at verse number. Um, and so he just gives us the contrast. Uh, the reason we are to be right is because, hey, it's a right relationship with God. God loves that and he wants to bless us. Look at with me in verse number um, 19, as we continue, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Listen, we'll have conflict. We'll have afflictions. 
will have trials. The Bible is very clear about that. Right there, that verse. You can go ahead and memorize that verse and mark it down because you know what? You're going to have afflictions in your life. But God will be there with you through them all. And he says he'll deliver you. And he'll be with you through all of them. You think about this. Think about the disciples that walked with the Lord. He could have, he, he didn't have to put them in that boat and send them across the, the water and let that storm come and, and shake up their world. He could have had them in a nice, cozy little cocoon where nothing ever went wrong in their life for the entire three and a half years that they walked with Jesus. But that's not what he did. He allowed them to experience those difficulties. He allowed them to go through those hardships so that he could teach them to be dependent upon God. A lot of times in our, if life were easy, if life were all blessings, every one of us would fall away from God. It's those hardships that drag us back to God and says, oh yeah, it's not me that's, that's created all of this. It's God that does this. And I need to be glued to him. In verse 19, 20, and 22, be cared for. Not only are we to be right in verses 11 uh, down through really 18, we're to be right in our life, in our, in our communication, our conduct, our crying, our continuing, and our spirit. But, but then he says, be cared for. In verse 19, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. That, of course, is a, a, a prophetic uh, portion applied to Jesus Christ when he was on the cross, that he would not, uh, not one of his bones would be broken. But it also speaks to the fact that, hey, God is watching out for us. Now, I won't promise you that you won't break a bone. How many have broke a bone, all right, in there? I've broke a bone in my life, and uh, many people have broken bones. And so I'm not saying that it's not for you. That was a prophetic portion to God. But it does speak to the fact that, hey, God will take care of us, and he will be with us. Look at verse number 21. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. I, you could preach a whole message right there on that, that, that verse. It's fascinating because the Bible says evil shall slay the wicked. Isn't that fascinating? And you can run down that rabbit trail and look at that on your own. But look with me in verse 22. The Lord, it's just a contrast that he puts in there. Hey, the wicked don't have anything to look forward to with God, but the righteous have everything to look forward to with God. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. What a blessing to know that God's going to take care of us. And we find that he cares for us. God cares for the righteous. We need to be right. We need to be walking with him. We need to have right words, right communication, right conduct, right spirit, right crying, right uh, continuing. But in the end, he cares for us. And listen, there's nothing like knowing that God cares for you. Make it personal. 
I mean, he, the God of heaven, the creator of everything, cares about you. He doesn't even let a sparrow fall that he doesn't know. And the Bible says of how much more value are you than the sparrows. He cares about you. And it's amazing that our God would love us that much. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. God's care for the righteous. Aren't you glad that he cares for you? Father, we thank you for your care, for your compassion. God, for the salvation that you give us freely through Jesus Christ. God, truly, what a blessing to be called a child of God. What a blessing to be born again. What a blessing, God, as we go through trials and many afflictions to know that you do care for us. And God, that you're watching out for us. Oh, and it doesn't seem like it sometimes when we're in the midst of a trial, in the midst of an affliction, in the midst of a hardship, in the midst of tribulation. But we do know that you care for us. God, we thank you for that. I pray that you'd help us to draw closer to you through all hardships, through all difficulties. And as David did to exalt you, even in the bad times. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. With just a short invitation, maybe God's spoken to your heart and maybe you just want to pray. Or thank God that he does care about you. Maybe you're going through a hard time and you do want to just pause and ask for God's strength and God's help. David said that he delivered him from all his fears. Praise the Lord for that. invitation to a close. And again, I appreciate your faithfulness. You may be seated. Um, appreciate your faithfulness. Uh, let's do this. Does anybody have any praises they want to share with us? Uh, I would like to say we, we, I praise the Lord. We made it up to New York safely and back. And we had 
rice is going all over. And so Rachel came out to visit. She drove to New York, and then she left and went to New Jersey from New York. And we came back here, and Charity flew out of Rhode Island and made it to Cleveland, and we made it to Cleveland to pick her up. So we were, it was a crazy, crazy everywhere. But uh, praise the Lord for the safety and traveling and, and, and making it everywhere we we're supposed to be. So I want to praise the Lord for that. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Good, good, good. Good. Praise the Lord. That is a long process. That is a long burden to bear sometimes. So good. Praise the Lord. Any other praises? All right. Yes, sir. I just want to praise the Lord. Uh, you know, as you read that passage, you think about all the benefits of the righteous. Yeah. And what, and what, you know, what you get from being a righteous person. And, I, and as I was sitting here thinking about it, uh, all those benefits, but it's just not, we take it for granted, but right. 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 